Welcome to the She Connects podcast. My name is Susan Vandenhubel, and I am honored to be your host each and every week. This is an extension of my ministry, She Rises, that allows me to connect with women in the online space. You can learn more about me and my ministry at www.sherisesmn.org or simply tap the link in the show notes. But for now, let's dive into this week's episode. Hey ladies, welcome back to the show. We are in the middle of a series that I started a couple of weeks ago on the armor of God. And this week we will be looking at the breastplate of righteousness. In this episode, we will be covering three specific areas. What exactly is righteousness? Why does righteousness matter? And how do I apply this piece of the armor of God? As with any pieces of the armor of God, it's important to understand that merely saying, just put on the armor of God without understanding those three areas, we won't know how to wear them properly. It would be like me walking around with Tim's tool belt, but not knowing how to use the tools hanging on the belt. And if we reflect back to our first week together, we understand that we are in a spiritual battle. And while the enemy doesn't have authority over us as a follower of Christ, he does have power and we are unwise to underestimate him. Wherever he sees a weakness in our lives, that's the area that he wants to attack. And this is why it's really important to really understand the armor of God so that when he attacks us, when he condemns, when he accuses us or baits us with lies, we are fully dressed in the armor of God and we can we can resist and we can oppose, we can push back when the enemy is, you know, really opposing and resisting us. As we move forward and honestly throughout your faith, don't allow the enemy to add a comma where God placed a period. In other words, wherever you read in the Bible where it's a promise of God or it's something about the, the nature of God, how he, how he refers to himself, or maybe your position, your authority as a Christ follower, the enemy wants you to question that. Remember what I said in the first week, that he wants to defy the nature of God. He wants to defy the God in you, what you believe about him. And so in other words, he wants to remove that period that God says about himself and, and add a comma, in other words, to get you to question or or speculate or doubt what God is saying. Don't allow the enemy to add a comma where God placed a period. So righteousness, before we get into what it is, I think that it's important that we understand what it is not. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, verse six, it says, but we are all like an unclean thing and our righteousness are like filthy rags. Let me repeat that. But we are all like an unclean thing and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. It's our sin that makes us like soiled garments. We cannot fix the problem. Our efforts fail miserably and there isn't anything this side of heaven that can help us. There isn't anything down here on earth to help us become righteous. We need help from above. We need we need God. Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 6 tells us the Lord is our righteousness. So what is righteousness then? It means just or the quality of being right. In a broad sense, it means conforming to the revealed will of God in all areas of our lives. 
2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, it says, There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which is the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21, uh, I know that these are uh, several uh, passages of scripture, but I just think that they're really important for us to really understand the breastplate of righteousness. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So for those of us that are maybe new to this translation that I'm reading from, and maybe you're confused about the word trespasses in this passage of scripture, trespasses is another word for sin. So not imputing their sin to them, their trespasses unto them. Verse 20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Verse 21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So what does this mean? It in Christ means it is through his death and resurrection that we identify ourselves with. And through that, we can say we have become a new creation. In other words, it is made possible because of Jesus Christ. And we cannot separate verse 21 from verse 19. Verse 21 is the counterpart to verse 19. We who were dead in our trespasses another or dead in our sin were without any hope lost and separated from a holy God. We needed the work of Christ on the cross. We needed God to send his one and only begotten son to step out of heaven and take upon himself the sin of his people to die on a cross on behalf of, of you and I. And there is no other faith on the face of the planet that can lay claim to their God stepping out of heaven and taking upon himself the sin of his people. Only the Christian faith can lay claim to that. Only Jesus Christ has done that. Because there was no other way, he placed our sin on Jesus instead of us. Jesus was sinless. And in Hebrews chapter four, verse 15, it says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. And in first Peter chapter two, verse 22, it says, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, speaking of Jesus. And in that same chapter of first Peter uh, chapter two, verse 24, it reads, who himself bore our sin in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. Jesus stepped in our place and endured the cross for us, the cross that we deserved. It was it was my cross. It was the cross that I deserved. 
It was your cross, the cross that you deserve. But Jesus stepped in our place and took upon himself my sin. He took upon self my shame, my condemnation, the penalty that I deserved. He took upon your sin, uh, upon himself, your sin, your shame, your condemnation, and and what you deserved in as a penalty for your sin. He stood in your place on the cross. So why does the breastplate matter? You know, last week we started talking about the Roman soldier and we read in the book of Ephesians how the Apostle Paul wrote using the Roman soldier as a metaphor for the armor of God and the the pieces of the armor that God has given to us to be able to stand at our ground against the devil's schemes. So for a Roman soldier, the breastplate provided protection of the torso area. In other words, the vital organs of the heart and lungs. Any attack on a soldier without this important piece of of armor could prove instantly fatal. But with the breastplate, arrows aimed their way were rendered ineffective and useless. So for us, when we think of putting on the breastplate of righteousness, what we're saying is we are putting on God's righteousness. Let me repeat that. When we think of putting on the breastplate of righteousness, what you and I are saying is we are putting on God's righteousness. And in James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 34 says, Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. Psalm 119, verse 172 reads, My tongue shall speak of your word, for all your commandments are righteousness. And again, we we learned that, you know, really it's it's applying God's will in every single area of our lives. That is what righteousness means. That's what it means to live a righteous and a holy in a holy life. These verses help build a solid teaching on the importance of not only hearing and agreeing with God's word and his ways, but also applying them. And I think that I mentioned that in the the first week that that we had in this series that it's it's so much more, you know, whenever we not only just with the armor of God, but any time that we're studying the word or you're you're in your church service and you're listening to your pastor or you know, you're having your own personal devotions or whatever whatever you're you're learning and growing in as you're reading the Bible, we shouldn't want to just settle with just hearing the word of God and shaking our heads in agreement. And, and yes, that's a good word. And yes, I believe in that and not follow it up and take actionable steps to apply what we're hearing to our faith. So in other words, you know, in your personal devotions, you're, you're reading something and then to be able to also allow yourself to kind of sit in that, in, in what God is showing you. And then asking him and his Holy Spirit to show you, how do you want me to apply this to my life? Is there an area that this is really applicable in my life that I can grow from, that I can be stretched in my faith and that I can maybe apply to my faith that's going to help me look at my situation differently or view you differently or look at myself differently or in how I see my life or my future or my position in Christ or, you know, the, the people even around me, you know, is, is what I'm reading 
doing? Is that helping me to reframe my my attitude or the thoughts that I'm thinking? In a world that wants to convince us that biblical values are outdated and no longer relevant, righteousness and holiness still matters. And I am willing to die on that mountain. I know that this that this series, I'm probably stepping on some toes, but like I said last week, I am so committed to absolute truth and I am willing to share absolute truth because I hope that you, like me, you want to hear uncomfortable truths. You're willing to hear uncomfortable truths rather than listening to comfortable lies because in the absence of truth, lies reign. So in this world that wants to convince us that biblical values are outdated and no longer relevant because we are new people. We are in a new day. It's a new age. It's 2023. And those types of things, they were were for another time, another generation, but they're not for us anymore. I am willing to die on this mountain and boldly proclaim that righteousness and holiness still matters because God has not changed his mind and he has not changed his position. And truth is God's opinion, God's thoughts on any matter. Yes, on any single matter. The buck stops there, if you will. What does God say? And you know what? The world might be saying this, that, or the other thing. But when I set that side by side with the Bible and I line that up with scripture, if what the world is telling me, if I can't find biblical support to that, well, then God's truth, God's voice trumps what I'm hearing in this world. Because again, he has not changed his mind, nor has he changed his position. So how do we use the breastplate of righteousness? We've talked about putting on God's righteousness, his, not ours, why it is important to us. And now let's talk about how to use this piece of the armor. We understand for the Roman soldier, the breastplate protected vital organs, their heart and their lungs. The breastplate of righteousness protects our hearts as well, spiritually speaking. And you've heard me say that over the last couple of weeks. We need to get in the spirit here, okay? So none of us are walking around in the natural with a breastplate as part of our daily attire, right? So in the spirit, that's what we're talking about here. The breastplate of righteousness protects our hearts as well. There's an often used quote that really kind of fires me up a little bit. (laughs) And it's this, I'm sure that you've probably heard it. Follow your heart because your heart knows the way and it will lead you. (laughs) Oh man, that just really fires me up and I can very easily get on on a soapbox about that. And so I want to use a passage of scripture and really apply what, what I just encouraged you to do when you hear something to line it up according to scripture. And can you find biblical support to that? Well, let's line that quote up to the Bible and see what the Bible has to say about that. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says this, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? I think I just, (laughs) well, if you want to remove me from it, the word of God, which is truth, just poked some holes in, in that follow your heart because your heart knows the way and it will lead you. You can trust your heart. Just follow your heart. Mm, no, <laughs> no, I want a heart transplant that allows my heart to be in sync with the Lord's heart. Same rhythm, same desires to love what he does and to hate what he hates. 
Number one. So if we if we talk about how the breastplate of righteousness protects our hearts, again, spiritually speaking, I have some points that I, I want to share with you that I think will prove to be beneficial for you. Some just additional tools to put in your toolbox. There's four, four different ways that I think are key in applying the breastplate of righteousness and protecting your heart. And number one is guarding your heart. Proverbs chapter four, verse 20. King Solomon is actually penning these words, and I'm going to share here in a couple of minutes why it's very interesting to me that he is actually the one that wrote these words in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Again, King Solomon wrote to that, how he would have reigned differently had he applied his own words. In First Kings, which is in the Old Testament, chapter 11 and verses 1 through 4, we read what was the root of his downfall. It was his heart. The very man that penned those words that I just read from Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, him telling us, above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. His downfall was his heart. He was doing things that that God said were not permissible for him, that he was not supposed to be doing. And so the thing that's really important about that and that we can apply to our lives, I know that as I was preparing for this, you know, it really kind of made me do some self-reflection and ask the Holy Spirit to search my heart. Is there something in my heart? Is there any area of my heart that is not fully surrendered to you? Because as I was unpacking this and and just really understanding the root of King Solomon's downfall was his heart. Wow, I I just really wanted to make sure that my heart was fully surrendered to the Lord and that he had every area, every space of my heart was open and surrendered to him because it wasn't for for Solomon it wasn't outward pressure, but an inward weakness that was the undoing of Solomon's reign and the nation that he ruled. That is so powerful right there. If you're walking away with anything this week from this week's episode, I hope that it's that, that it wasn't outward pressure, but inward weakness that was the undoing of Solomon's reign and the nation that he ruled. We can do all of the things, you know, the world, the world is telling us that we can do these different techniques and behavior modification. That's, that's the key to having breakthrough and that's the key to freedom and healing and wholeness and, you know, feeling better about ourselves and, you know, whatever else that the world is telling us to do. But you know what, that is, that is a form of deception there because it always comes back to the heart for you and I. As Christ followers, it always comes back to the heart. Our deepest need is a spiritual need. Our deepest need is a spiritual need. So we can do all these different techniques. We can, you know, give it our our best shot at um, behavior modification and, you know, doing all these different things. But if we're not addressing our more important, our most deepest need, our heart, uh, that spiritual need, we're just going to keep 
repeating behaviors that are self-destructive and not bringing the kind of freedom and the kind of healing that we want in our lives. When you compare King Solomon with King David, you know, God said that David was a man after his own heart. How can it be that David, who sinned by sleeping with another man's woman and then plotting to commit murder, would be considered a man after God's own heart? If you read Psalm 51, that is the answer that you need. That tells us why God says that David is a man after his own heart. It is a tear-stained prayer of repentance, a humble and surrendered desire for the Lord to search his heart to see if there was anything unclean. He didn't blame anyone, but he took full responsibility for his choices. And I want to circle back here before I move on to number two. I want to go back to um, what I just said, that it was a tear-stained prayer of repentance, a humble and surrendered desire for the Lord to search his heart. I think that so often in a believer's life, it's easy to think that that we just kind of surrender once and it's a, you know, one-shot thing and it's a, you know, one time and, and that kind of covers the rest of our, our faith walk. That is not true. <laughs> that is not true. And I know that that might step on your toes a little bit, and maybe that makes you a little uncomfortable. Maybe that's an uncomfortable truth. But again, I'm committed to truth here. And, you know, living a surrendered life, that's a daily choice. We don't just surrender one time and then like we're just surrendered for the rest of our days on this on this side of heaven. Even the Apostle Paul wrote, I die daily. I die daily. And that right there is a is a beautiful picture of a surrendered life. Every single day, I surrender my heart again. Every single day, I surrender my will. Every single day, I, I surrender my agenda and my desires and what I think that I deserve or how I think something should go or how I think that something should unfold or I surrender my expectations or what I think I should have in my life or how my prayer should be answered or whatever else, you know, fill in the blank. Every single day is a day of of dying to ourselves. And every single day is a day of surrender where we're constantly surrendering ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So I just had to put that out there because it isn't just a one time and then you're you're covered. You can check the box and move on to the next thing. That's not the life of a believer. So number two, number two in applying the breastplate of righteousness is declutter. Keep your heart clean and clutter free from offense, bitterness, unforgiveness, unresolved anger, and resentment. These things will hinder communication from the Lord. If you allow, if you allow the root of bitterness and unforgiveness, unresolved anger and re, and resentment, if you are someone who is easily offended, those things, those things will hinder your communication with the Lord. And, you know, he is the, he is the greatest relationship that we have. It should be the most important relationship. And we don't want that to be hindered, right? We don't want these types of things to block our communication with the Lord. We don't want these types of things to make us feel disconnected from the Lord and to feel like we're, we're not close to him anymore, or we're not hearing his voice. We don't feel his presence anymore. And so when we, when we keep our heart clutter free, that allows for unhindered communication with the Lord. Number three, 
live uncompromisable. I'm not even sure if that's a word, uncompromisable, but I'm going to make it a word. (laughs) So uh, are there any areas of your heart that prompts you to compromise? What is it? What, what is, what is that area? I think that here again, this really requires us to, to sit with the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit full access to, to our hearts. And we should look at King Solomon and understand that, that it wasn't outside pressure. It was an inward thing that caused his downfall. And so when we when we look at these different areas, what we're doing is we're we're taking an honest reflection here. We're asking the Holy Spirit, come and search my heart. I want you to create in me a clean heart. I want a heart that is fully surrendered to the Lord. I don't want anything in my heart that is not of you taking up space that is meant for you, Lord. And so if you see, oh God, in my heart, anything that is compromising, show me that. Show me what that is. Because here's the thing. First, it starts with a thought up here in our in our, in our our heads, you know, like it, it starts with a thought. Compromise starts with a thought and then it's followed through with an action. We want to be people who have actions that are right in the Lord's eyes. And to have that, we first have to be fully aligned to God's word, absolute truth without compromise. I talked about that in great length last week. Absolute truth, not relative truth, but absolute truth. And if we aren't fully anchored in absolute truth, we will find ourselves drifting. And that doesn't end well for a Christ follower. Number four, to wear the breastplate of righteousness is to stand. Ephesians tells us to stand several times in a matter of a few verses, and we've been over that and why when we read a word used repeatedly in scripture, it should cause us to take notice because we understand that God is trying to emphasize a point. He's trying to get our attention by repeating something. This standing will provide a great lead into next week's study on putting on the shoes of peace. But as I wrap up this week's episode, I want us to look at Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. The blood of the lamb is the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Again, as we've already learned in this series, The cross has already spoken. If you are in Christ, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the cross has already spoken over you. He's not going to come back and do an updated version just because the world thinks that our biblical values and the cross and our Christian faith might be a little outdated. He's not coming back to give an updated version to make the world happy. God is not going to rewrite the Bible to make it more, I don't know, like taste better. <laughs> he's, he's not going to rewrite the Bible to make it go down a little bit, a little bit easier and to make people comfortable. God has written the word and there is no updated version. And he is, he has said what he's meant and he's meant what he said. And it's, and it's final. It, it's final. His work on the cross has spoken and it has imparted unto you his righteousness. Again, when the enemy wants to accuse you, when he wants to condemn you, when he wants to 
try to convince you that there's no way for you to possibly have been forgiven, that redemption couldn't be for you or whatever it is. Listen, you are allowing him to remove remove the period that God says in me, in Christ Jesus, I have given you my righteousness period. When but when you take the bait and you begin to when you begin to entertain the lies of the enemy, you're removing that period and adding a comma and you're and you're beginning to wonder, well, maybe it maybe that's true. Maybe maybe I'm not really forgiven. Maybe my name really isn't in the Lamb's book of life. Maybe God hasn't really accepted me or maybe God doesn't really love me. Man, <laughs> maybe maybe God really hasn't placed upon me his righteousness. That is a lie. You you are listening to a lie because his work on the cross has spoken and it has imparted unto you his righteousness. So we understand in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, they overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So what is your testimony? What are you testifying of? Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 10 says this, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garment of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Oh man, how I love that. How I love that. For he has clothed me with the garment of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Let me personalize that and just speak that over you today that he has clothed you with the garment of salvation. He has covered you with the robe of righteousness. He has not given you a mantle of shame and defeat. He has clothed you with the garments of salvation and covered you with the robe of righteousness. Oh man, how I love that. I just have to uh, emphasize this point. There's a huge difference between the Holy Spirit convicting you of sin and the enemy condemning you. There's a huge difference there. And it's it's very important for us to be able to differentiate those two things. And if you're beginning to feel weighed down and you're beginning to feel just like you're like withdrawing and you're and you're just beginning to feel like kind of shameful and can see how you're kind of pulling away from God. You're maybe not going to church as much. You're not attending your life group. You're not reading the Bible as much. Um, you're not wanting to really go to church anymore. You're having difficulty praying and you know it's because you're thinking about something that you did, maybe even, you know, 10 years ago, or maybe it was even just yesterday or even sometime this morning, you've asked for forgiveness and yet you you just are still walking around with shame and feeling just really kind of condemned by that. There's a difference between the Holy Spirit convicting you and the devil condemning you. The Holy Spirit's conviction allows you to experience forgiveness through repentance. Condemning makes you want to withdraw and feel shameful and that there is no that there is no amount of grace or forgiveness or redemption that can set you free from that. And that is a lie. So next week, we're going to be talking about the shoes of peace and how to keep standing, to take a stand and to stand your ground. Because man, if you have felt like 
you know, going back to the first episode in this series, when I was talking about us being in a spiritual battle, and you have maybe felt like I have felt a little knocked around. I've been experiencing a lot of opposition. I've been experiencing a lot of resistance in my faith. And if I'm honest, I feel a little beat up. I'm a little weary in my faith. Listen, it is time for you to get back up on your feet. This is not the end. This is not the end of your story. The devil wants you to think it is, and he's banking on you believing that. Let me, I don't know who needs to hear that, but whoever that is for, God wants you, God wants you to know that. God is exposing that lie that the enemy is telling you. The devil wants you to think that this is the end. The devil wants you to think that your story cannot be redeemed. The devil wants you to think that you will never overcome this difficult, challenging season that you are in. The devil wants you to think that you will never get back up on your feet and everything is everything is all lost and he's banking on you believing it. Man, that that is a lie. <laughs> that is a lie. God is for you. He's not against you. He's he's seated high on the throne and he knows exactly where you are. He has you on his radar and he is not in heaven anxious wringing his hands trying to figure out how to intervene in your situation. He already knows the end from the beginning and he is at work in your life and in your situation, in that relationship that you're wanting to be believing to be reconciled. He is in that need that you have for provision. He is in that prayer request for healing. He is in that prayer request for a new job or for a new door, for a new opportunity, whatever it is that you've been praying for. And, and you're just feeling a little battle weary because you've been, you've been doing your best to take a stand and stand your ground, but you're feeling a little battle weary. Well, God wants you to know today that he is at work in your life and in that situation. And you might not see it right now, but make no mistake, God is not an idle God. He is not sleeping. He is not ignoring you. He is answering your prayers. He's heard your prayers. You are seen. You are known. You are held. You are a beloved child of God. And your prayers are powerful and effective, and they are rising up before your God, and he is at work in your life right now. I don't know who needed to hear that. That was nowhere in my notes, but I just felt prompted by the spirit of the living God to put that out there. So whoever that is for, God wanted to encourage you uh, with that this week. So anyway, I hope that this episode on the breastplate of righteousness helped you to feel a little bit more emboldened in your faith in this piece of the armor. And I hope that you would be willing to encourage another person in your sphere of influence to subscribe to the podcast, that you would share it because Here's the thing. I don't really ask for a whole lot. <laughs> I'm, you know, it doesn't cost anything to subscribe to the podcast, but you know, when you leave a review or you leave a comment, you share, or maybe you don't want to leave a actual, like a, a, a printed type review, you just want to maybe add some stars. You know what, when you even add five stars, you know what that is to us in the podcasting world, what that means to us in like the book writing world or or wherever that means like like that's like an amen and a, and a yes to us like i'm with you sister like amen i so get this and i needed to hear this today so 
Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to take, you know, 10, 20 seconds and leave, leave some stars, leave a, leave a comment, leave a rating. Would you share, would you share with people? Because it, it kind of tells like the platforms where these types of podcasts are, are being shared. It, it tells them that people want to hear this, this type of content because in that type of the world, in the like the tech technological type area of the world, like YouTube and you know social media and those types of things, when people don't share faith based things, it tells those different platforms that people aren't interested in hearing this type of content. That they would rather hear all that other junk and garbage, and so that's what shows up on their feeds and stuff like that. Well, I mean let's let's like flood let's flood these platforms with faith-based content that is not only going to help believers but reach non-believers and like spread the gospel this way right let's take over these platforms and just flood these platforms with faith-based content amen all right so take care have a great rest of your week and i will catch you right back here same time same place Thank you so much for joining me this week. It was great connecting with you. Hey, would you do me a quick favor that would mean the world to me? Would you go ahead and leave a few stars and a review or even a comment? It not only means so much to me, but in the online space and the podcasting world, the more stars, reviews, and comments that a podcast receives, the further the reach. It ranks up a little bit higher in Google searches, which then results in reaching more women with this amazing content. So if you are blessed and enjoying, you know, just the content that you are hearing here on the podcast, would you go ahead and leave a few stars, a review, and some comments? It means the world to me. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you right back here, same place, same time, next week.